Welcome to Staffing Stories, hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Welcome back to Staffing Stories. I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I've got a great guest today. Um, this is Jill Niddle, and she is out of the great state of New York, and we're happy to have her. And um, I just really appreciate you making the time to talk to us and kind of give us your story. So why don't you introduce yourself to all of our listeners? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Jill Niddle, and I have a company in Rochester, New York. So we're upstate New York closer to Buffalo. So we're in Bill's country. Okay. Um, and so I started this firm. I've been in staffing and recruiting for about 25 years and I started this firm six years ago. Okay. So you're, you're, um, you started back in staffing when I started back in staffing, when we, we actually used a phone book and a Rolodex and, and a fax machine. Yeah. Flip, flip phones <laughs> and pagers. That, that, yeah. my, my kids really know what a pager is this day. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's changed quite a lot. It is. But it's been fun watching the change of, you know, staffing over the years and recruiting and executive search, however you want to call it. But, yeah, you know, um, we're still in the people business. We still yeah. have to talk and we still have to um, the core parts of our business and industry have never changed. It's just the tools that we get to use to get people on the phone. Yeah. Or text now. Yeah. And I remember um, years ago I was doing work. Um, Bird's Eye Foods was actually headquartered here in Rochester at the time. And I remember, um, you know, when Monster came out yeah, and yeah. everyone thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to take the they're going to take the place of staffing firms or they're going to take the place of recruiting firms. And uh, I did a lot of work for Bird's Eye and the human resources manager said that she wanted to try to search for or fill one of the positions she had on monster. Mm -hmm. And like, I heard from her about three or four days later and she goes, Oh my God, now I know why they call monster monster. Can you just send me a few resumes? <laughs> yes. I, you know, I, I remember the day when monster was free. Yeah. And I was like, where did those days go? Because the good Lord, we almost take a home loan to use some of the tools we use now, but it's, yeah, no uh, kidding. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I know it's a passion for both of us being in this industry as long as we've, we've been into it. But so tell me just your Genesis story of how you were drug into this. From the get go, like recruiting yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Did you so, come out of college right into it or? No. So I, you know, it's funny cause I was just talking to somebody this morning and I said, nobody ever, you know, majors in, I want to be a recruiter or, you know, so you end up with people that work in your company that have all the skills that it takes, but nobody necessarily has their degree in recruiting, if you will. So I actually started off in public accounting um, in a, a big four CPA firm. Okay. And um, then was was there, which is what is now PricewaterhouseCoopers, and was there for a couple of years. And then one of my clients hired me, hired me to be their controller, which is a typical, typical step. And then at the time, um, a new staffing firm was um, coming to Rochester and the owner of the firm and I had known each other. He had come from Robert Half. 
-hmm. and um, approached me and said, would you come and work for me and do accounting and finance recruiting? And I was, you know, of course, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I remember telling my parents I was 20 something at the time that I was going to go be a recruiter. And my dad was like, oh, my God, you worked so hard to get your CPA and you worked so hard to get to where you are and you're going to throw it all away and be a recruiter. Um, so 25 years later, here I am. And um, I was with that firm for 10 years, um, specifically doing heavily financial and accounting um, recruiting. And then I went on to another firm where I did a significant amount of retained search work. And then I started another company that did um, that did national staffing work, primarily in the financial services sector. So really kind of cut my teeth in the staffing area and financial services. And that was really during the mortgage boom. So a lot of a lot of mortgage temps and that type of thing, and um, and then about about eight years ago, um, I was a partner at a firm and decided um, that the I guess the direction that the majority partner of the firm wanted to go was not what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, and so I left. Um, I did two year non compete. Um, sat out my non-compete, got my investment licenses and traded stocks for a couple of years and then started this firm for six, about six years ago. Uh, sounds like a little fun sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned I hated it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can only, <laughs> yes. You have to love numbers to want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was the people I worked with were phenomenal, but the work itself, I just, I get a huge intrinsic reward in this industry out of helping people. Um, further their lives and their careers and placing them in opportunities that are great and also helping companies really find the talent that they're looking for to advance, um, advance the company's goals. So, you know, so many times I'll do a search um, and say, you know, it was so, it, it felt so good. I would, I would have done that one for free. And uh, I, I have that feeling a lot or else I, you know, but I do charge or else I wouldn't be able to put food on the table, but um, it's definitely, I get a huge reward out of this job. You know, we work for a lot of nonprofits, but we're not a nonprofit. That's right. I tell my crew, I was like, you know, we are in for business, so we have to make some money. Yeah. But you know, there, you know, you bring a good point about the passion of working with people and placing people. I, I love making friends. And so being able to recruit somebody and, and befriending them and really, understanding what their family is looking for and then also befriending companies where yet you, you you know what they're looking for putting them together there's no greater joy than to yeah. do that and I, I and that's like something just you know yeah we have a lot of failure in our business and you have to understand that but the joy of that is is what i like yeah me too and uh, it, it's a lot of fun so executive search you know i've at my company, we do more, you know, temp, perm in the technical fields, but executive search has always been inter in interesting to me because it's a little bit of a different flair. Yeah. Um, so kind of explain how, why you like that more, kind of why your company has gravitated in that role. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, when I had the opportunity to really greenfield this company, if you will, into what I wanted it to be. I really wanted to create something that was different than the firms I had worked for previously and others in our space. And 
you know, part of what I saw is that oftentimes contingent staffing firms would send resumes of candidates that might not have been the best fit, but they were almost defensive resumes in case a competitor sent it in okay. or a resume just to be able to fill the job. And in my mind, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to really understand a company, understand the culture. And really, I know partner, the word partner is a is an overused word these days, but really get a solid understanding so that almost I'm an extension or my team is an extension of the executive team at our client companies to be able to make sure that we're actually paying attention to the right things and identifying the right candidates for the role. Well, and it's, and I tell my staff, it's okay to say no. Yeah. It's okay to tell a candidate they're not right. It's okay to tell a customer we're just not the right fit for, for what you're looking for in an agency because we're not order takers. Yeah. We, I mean, we are consultative approach to, and this sometimes there's just not a good match. So it's okay to say no and not take every job that's, you know, yeah. coming through the door. Yeah. Um, because a bad, re bad requirement right now will make you broke. And so that's, uh, uh, you know, everybody's looking for individuals, at least in my state of Tennessee. Um, and if you waste time on something, that's just, it's going to hurt. It does. And I think too, you know, the recruiters need to learn so much more than just what's on a piece of paper. Yeah. And, you know, for clients that, that don't want to spend time up front so that we have a really clear understanding of the job itself and what we're looking for, it's not going to equal a successful search. No. So, um, so yeah, so we work ex on only exclusive positions. So companies, you know, when a company commits to use us, they commit to do the search and we fill 100% of the searches we bring on. That's good. And so um, some searches go long, some searches don't. You know, it just really depends on the skill set. Newer, newly created positions tend to go a little longer because after can't, after clients interview, they're like, oh, we didn't think we might need this or we didn't think we might need that. So, you know, that'll change, that'll change it up a little bit for us. But I started just doing executive search um, really, I guess, not realizing the gap I left in the market when I left for two years. Uh -huh. And so we ended up, this firm has now grown to 13 because of the desire of our clients for us to really kind of do more than just executive level. So we've expanded to now do all professional level positions. Um, sure. We don't do blue collar. We do some contract work that tend to be project oriented or interim type work. Um, you know, like for like right now, we have an interim CFO working while we do the, the perm search and we have an interim CHRO working while we do the CHRO search. So things like that we do pretty often. Um, but it, it really turns out to be a great relationship because once we place one or two people at the senior level of a company, they understand our process and what we do, they then they it. tend to say, Hey, you know, we're, we want to use you guys again. Cause we know you so well, and you know, our company already. Um, and then on the, on the CEO side, which is actually the, the searches that I do specifically, I do a lot of work with boards. You know, I the board of directors are actually the the hiring people who hire their CEOs, whether it's a for profit or a not for profit company. And so I do I sit on a lot of boards, but I also do a lot of the board interaction and the board work when it comes to interviewing. 
Um, and you know, that that's fun. It's like herding cats often, um, you know, cause everybody's so busy. Yes. Um, <laughs> the board I've sat on it. That's a great description of it. Yeah. Yes. But it's, it's a lot of fun. And honestly, um, from a not-for-profit perspective, you know, most of the people that sit on boards are there because they believe so heavily in the cause and so much in the not-for-profit that they're there to support, yep. but they don't necessarily have the time or the expertise to serve on a search committee. So a lot of my, a lot of my work is really training them, providing questions, core competency models, all of that type of stuff. So they have a really clear understanding of, of what they need. One one of the things when I was researching before our, our interview here is you and your organization give back a ton. I mean, it just was apparent from your website, and I, I I'm jealous, but I'm also very proud of you for doing that. Kind of talk talk me through your thought process that there. Yeah. So one of our core values um, is we give back to our community. So when I hire people to join here. I want to make sure that they understand part of their um, duty yep. um, to our community is to give back to our community. I think that we all have an opportunity to do that. And some of us are, are, have a lot to give. So, and my team has embraced that fully. So every member of my team is on a board okay. um, or a committee for a not-for-profit we do a lot together. So we just completed our second annual clothing drive for a not-for-profit we support here. So during our strategic planning every October, I sit down with my team and we we identify the three pillars, the not-for-profit pillars that we want to support. Because obviously we're a small company and we can't support everybody, yeah. but we would rather like to support a few causes in a big way versus a lot of causes in a very little way. So this year, um, our causes were children, um, the Heart Association, and animals. So um, we've had a great time. Everybody here um, has at least one dog. So we bring our dogs to work. Yep. Um, there's none running around today, but usually there's a dog or two around. Um, but those were the those are the areas that my team is passionate about. So we do, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll um, we'll volunteer um, in certain areas. We'll we'll volunteer for golf tournaments to raise money for these not for profits. Um, we'll go to their galas and things like that. And we do it largely as a team. It's great teamwork and great team building. Um, but it's definitely one of the things that um, you know one of our one of my directors is on the Make a Wish board. And that is just so, so wonderful to hear her stories. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's really done a lot for us and us being able to, to give back. And it's not necessarily for the recognition, but it's really to make sure that everybody knows here that we're very, very fortunate. And I think when you're really fortunate, it's an, it's an opportunity and, and really a necessity for us to give back to help others. Well, it's also, it's, it's bigger than the work that we do. I mean, you have to have something more than just a nine to five. I mean, it, it's part of it. So the human, the human element of our industry is never going to go away. And yep. um, the connections, you just, you just have to have it. So March is the month of international women in business. Mm -hmm. 
talk to me. You you are a very successful women business owner and, and in our staffing and recruiting um, uh, arena. What does that mean when you hear quality and you hear that? You know, it's funny because I never um, I never really see myself as different than a male business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, because we all put our pants on the same way and we all have to figure out how to, how to run the business and how to get there. But I do think that there is, um, a difference in the way that men and women lead. And I think, you know, it's funny because I just hired my first male employee like last week. Hasn't even started yet. So just, yeah, well, we just had a lunch and, you know, one of the questions that my team asked him was, you know, how do you feel about being the first guy that we've ever hired? You know, and it's, it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. Just, I needed, to, we needed, we need people with our, that will follow our core values. Yeah. And I mean, one of our core values is we laugh. So it's yeah. not like they're that hard to follow. Um, but the the certification as a women business enterprise on a national scale, you know, the federal government has done its best at trying to level the playing field to bring business to women to bring business to women owned businesses. Yep. Um, and and that's great, but I don't think that a certification as a women owned business should take the place of of doing really really great work okay. all the time, just as a man would run his business. So. Um, I think it's nice to say, and it's great to have International Women's Day, but I also believe that there should be an International Men's Day, to be quite honest with you. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> it's, I think, you know, I have a daughter and I want her to have every opportunity in the world. And, I, you know, but she she loves to compete with the boys. Mm -hmm. and, you know, but it's I love the passion. Keep keep fighting. But, uh, yep. you know, it's good for our industry. Our industry is you know, black, white, male, female. I say I'm the old one in my business. I got some young. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. We're very diverse. And I said, everybody comes with a different set of ideas, backgrounds, and it just makes business so much fun. Oh, it does. Yeah. I I agree. Mean, so when I married 25 years and the, these newlyweds and, you know, <laughs> we'll have dinner with someone like, I tell my wife, I said, Kelly, that, that's like we were when we were young. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's a lot, a lot of fun. But um, when you look at our industry, what what are things that excite you about the direction of our industry with technology, with um, tools that we have that are just like, I, I love this, what we're trying to do there? You know, it's interesting because I was just talking to my daughter and some of my other fellow business leaders about, you know, the chat AI and a lot of the the new artificial intelligence things coming out. And it's just it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I mean, I can I can put in that I would like to write a resume for a CFO with 12 years of manufacturing experience and it will spit out a resume. Yeah. And so I think that's scary. It, you know, for um, for recruiters like me, who and you, quite honestly, that companies rely on us to validate everything on somebody's resume before we send it over over to the client. Mm -hmm. You know, so how you know, as we interview people and as we talk about job changes and all of that type of stuff, you know, that that's a little scary. 
I think the technology, though, from a recruiting and a staffing staffing perspective, will never take the place of humans. And it's, you know, honestly, Andy, it's like it. I mean, it's why you and I have been in the business for as long as we have. It's evolved and changed. You know, when I talk about, you know, before Y two K, I feel like I'm talking about the the dark ages, but you know, I don't think that technology is is going to take over our jobs because humans want to talk to humans and we're not selling vacuum cleaners. We're selling people and people change and people need to be coached and clients need to be coached. You know, right now, obviously, we're dealing with a, a, a gap in the market in certain skill sets. And, you know, one of my recruiters, sent a resume over to a client the other day and the client declined to interview. And my recruiter said, just, just spend an hour with the person. I promise you their resume is not what you're looking for, but that person is what you're looking for. And they hired them. And so that doesn't get taken away by a machine or any type of artificial intelligence. So, you know, I think our jobs are here to stay. I think it's going to continue to be harder and I think companies are going to have to rely on trust that they have in people like us mm-hmm. um, to really talk to them about what they can get. You know, some of my clients will say, you know, I, I did a I did a metric last year. Our average salary, the the top end of the average salary that that jobs came in at ended up being increased on average by 12 percent across the board. So if a job came in at a hundred grand, it paid one twelve. And so us educating our clients about that and saying, listen, you're, you can get X for this amount, or you can get Y for this amount. And really being able to talk about what that's like in the market is really where I see us coming in. So it's much more of a consultative approach and really educating our clients about the market um, and, and what it's like out there. And it's really different from city to city. Yep. You know, so I think, you know, becoming an expert for staffing firms in in the areas in which they sit or or the areas that they serve is is going to continue to be important. I think the technologies that interest me are the ones that eliminate friction between either us and a client or us and a a candidate Um, that to me is exciting when, you know, you get more value out of your recruiters time and energies like i have one recruiter that uses chat gbt to create search bullions you know i want to search bullion with this 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 and it will spit it out i mean it's very good with code and then you know hey i need a a write-up about this candidate has this 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 and this and it'll and it'll i'll do it so the time he's spending typing all that in now he just does a little quick thing and it does it so much better so those are like it just creates shortcuts. Very yeah, cool. It does. I mean, you have to be one of those, but, um, you know, our industry is changing and it's great and I love it. I just like you, I don't think it's ever going to eliminate the human nature of our side. Yeah. Agreed. But this has been an awesome conversation. So I, you know, as I wrap up, I always ask like, or if you're Amazon or you Netflix, Hulu, what's, what's on your, uh, stream. <laughs> So I think my most favorite um, recently has been Yellowstone on Netflix. No, it's oh. on Paramount, right? Yeah, Paramount. Yeah, the first Paramount because I, mean, I mean, most of it is net Netflix or Amazon, but I'm, I like Yellowstone. I think that's 
Yeah, and I've watched the 1888 and the 1923. <coughs> Excuse me, but yeah, so that's probably my favorite these days. Well, I, I, that, you get a thumbs up for me on that one. <laughs> it's very nice to meet you and talk to you and, and on the staffing story side. So we appreciate it. We, we, we value everybody's opinion and we love to hear your story. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. The Staffing Stories podcast is brought to you by 3DIQ, founded by recruiters for recruiters. 3DIQ's industry-leading product suite complements your submission process in Bullhorn from start to finish and helps you deliver a cutting-edge customer experience. Triple your placements with our powerful resume submission platform, candidate marketing, and client portal. Visit 3DIQ.com stories to learn more.